Hi, this is David Flowers, Senior Pastor at Grantham Church, an intergenerational convergent third-way congregation with the Brethren in Christ U.S., and located in Mechanicsburg, Pennsylvania. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast and for following the sermons that I and many others preach at Grantham. This is a free podcast, and it'll always be that way, but if you'd like to give and help further the work we're doing for the kingdom, we'd greatly appreciate it. If you want to do that, you can do that by going to granthamchurch.org and clicking on the Giving tab. Whether you're a member of our church or you're listening as a parishioner, it's our greatest desire that you would encounter Jesus and be changed by the good news wherever you are. Anyway, God bless you, and I hope you enjoy the podcast. Well, I'm going to introduce to you Mike Holland, who a little bit later is going to introduce three different speakers. Mike is a longtime pastor and church planter in the BIC, and from 2002 to 2010, he was actually on our staff as a missionary in residence and also worked with young adults. From 1985 to 2002, though, he worked as a missionary to Caracas, Venezuela, uh, and uh, he's been pastoring how many years, LAE? 18. 18 years he's been pastoring the LAE Church in York Springs and is now busy raising up Hispanic leaders and churches in Central Pennsylvania. And Mike this morning is going to share a little bit about the work they're doing and introduce three different speakers and even translate for us. Would you welcome Mike? Wow, it's so good to be back here with you. I see many, many familiar faces. I love you all. I love the Grantham Church. I'm excited to see so many good things happening here. and uh, to be invited here for your Mission Sunday is phenomenal. Like Bruce said, you guys have been partners with us since the very beginning of the Hispanic ministry down in York Springs. Uh, And we are just so grateful for that partnership. Um, One of the ways you partnered with us has been coming down uh, every year to hand out some Christmas boxes. I wanna say we're hoping to do that again this year. I got an email about it uh, requesting if we wanted to do it from your staff and it's the ball's in my court. I haven't said yes, we want to do it, but now you know we want to do it. And uh, you can come and join us. And uh, it's, a, it's a lot of fun trying to wrap your words, your mouth around all those Spanish Christmas carols. All right, good. Um, Sherry and I were here, like uh, Pastor David said, from 2002 to t- 2010. We love you. We've been a part of you. The, the bishop had to actually force us to leave because he said, uh, well, I won't say what he said, but we had to leave because he wanted us to focus more on the ministry down in York Springs. So that was good. We were also missionaries in Venezuela from 1985 to 2002. That's where we basically learned Spanish and got a heart for Hispanic ministry. Uh, One of the things I want to start talking about here is the movement of people, the movement of people. Throughout history, people have been moving different places from here to there. You think of Israel, uh, you love studying, we love studying the Old Testament stories of Israel, how Abraham went from Ur all the way over to Canaan, and then Jacob went to Egypt, and then they came back from Egypt, and they were in the desert for 40 years, wandering, you know, it's a picture of immigration, right? And then they ended up coming into Canaan and uh, had their land of Israel, and then they were taken to Assyria, and in Assyria, Uh, there was a slave girl, an Israelite slave girl, who told the general of the Assyrian armies that if she would go back to her country, there was a preacher there 
who would heal him of his leprosy. The gospel broke through in a totally savage, violent way through a slave girl who was kidnapped and drug off to another country. And then you have Babylon, uh, where huge numbers of Israelites were drug off, and you have Daniel and the three Hebrew young men making a huge impact to the point that the king Nebuchadnezzar of all of Babylon, one of the largest emperor empires of the time of history, said, anybody that says anybody, anything bad about, against the God of Daniel, his house is going to be burnt down and he's going to be thrown out of our people. I mean, all kinds of stuff. The influence of the gospel, of the, the faith in the one true God through the movements of peoples. Um, this study... Uh, as people began to look at how God use, uses the movements of people, voluntary and involuntary movements of people to take faith to different places, to bring the gospel, advance the gospel to different people. This is called diaspora missiology. There is with the diaspora, the movements of people, there's a pushing out. People are pushed out of their countries by famine, by war, by violence, by all kinds of things. And then there's a pull. Why do they go where they go? Something is pulling them. They can get legal papers. They can get work. They can get money. They can get safety. So I want you to know that one or two of the top reasons why people come to America from Latin America today is because of safety. The other is economy, financial stability, safety. They're coming for safety because people are getting killed on their streets, on their block. So they're coming to a place where I don't ever lock my house or lock my car. I leave a key in all my cars. Don't tell anybody. Live stream, please cut that out. But this is where we live. It's, it's a safe place. Who wouldn't want to come? and have a little bit of safety. They're coming for medical reasons, to get medical care that wouldn't be available. So there's all kinds of issues with the push and pull. Some are coming for education. How many thousands of international students come to America every year to study uh, different uh, fields? There's a difference, though, with the Hispanic diaspora in America. If you think of the immigration issue over years of time here in America, we've had Swedish people come in, we've had Italians come in, we've had Irish people come in, and we developed this concept of the melting pot because these were waves of immigration where people would come and they would assimilate in and they'd almost forget where they came from. It's different with the Hispanics because for one, a number of regions of our country were Spanish territories, parts of Mexico, even independent countries like Texas, but were majority Hispanic and Spanish-speaking when they became states. Did you know that? So what's the original language in America? Well, <laughs> it's not English, I'll tell you that. But uh, you have all these groups or regions, these big states coming in, Texas, Mexico, New Mexico, 
California, Arizona, Colorado, Nevada. So you had these huge groups of people becoming Americans, but they'd been here as long as we've been here speaking Spanish. So it creates a culture where you don't have to give up your language or customs from where you came from because this is where you came from. Very interesting. The other thing that has affected immigration or migration of Hispanics into the U.S. is that there's been a constant stream for all the history of our country of Hispanics, legal and undocumented, have come. And they continue to come. So when you have the Swedish churches, they, don't, they can't even speak Swedish in their churches anymore, right? Uh, you have the, the German churches. Well, our answer is the, the Pennsylvania Dutch. How many of us here speak Pennsylvania Dutch? Uh, I, I'm, I was hoping to see at least one hand. Not even one! Wow! That's how much uh, we've lost a lot of our, our heritage. But the Hispanics, there are new generations, new people coming in every day, and they don't know English. So there, it makes a very different uh, context for working with immigrants among Hispanics than to work on any other immigrant uh, ministry. Okay. So uh, Sherry and I, in 2004, started the Luz Alegría Esperanza Church. Many of you uh, knew about that, were a part of that, gave offerings to that, and came and visited and helped us with, with different outreaches. Um, Sherry is currently a high school teacher in Big Liberal High School. She's the director of the ESL, English as a Second Language Program, and she's making all kinds of connections and contacts with families and youth across uh, Adams County. So we have an interesting and exciting partnership down there in Adams County, and we're in York Springs, if you don't know that. So I want to introduce you to three different people, groups of people, uh, representing different parts of our ministry. And I'll invite them all to come up here. Uh, Malia, Josiah, Anna, Andres, all come up here, stand behind me, and one by one, I'm going to put them on the block, okay? They're going to have to, to talk, right? So um, the first person I want to introduce to you, and you can speak right there, is Malia. Hello. This is, Mal I'm on, right? This is Malia Young. No, she is not Hispanic. I know you're wiping your glasses going, what? <laughs> <laughs> she has a very interesting story. And the first question I want to ask her, if I can find where it is here, uh, tell us about your upbringing and where did you end up? So my upbringing, I am the first child in my family to be, uh, that was born here in the States. I would say in the house, we, because of that, we had a very uncommon, I had a very uncommon upbringing. My parents were very new Americans and they were also, they came over supported by um, Christian families from different denominations. Um, and so they were very new Christians. Um, in the church, I actually had an amazing um, children's ministry that I was part of. Looking back, I would say it's like the perf it was the perfect children's ministry. Um, that was in a Presbyterian church, and later I was in CMA, and that's where I became fascinated with missions. Personally, and in school, um, it was very common, like my outlets of school and my childhood outside of in the house and in the church. It was very common and it was good. <laughs> uh, what do your, past, your parents do? My parents are now pastors and they pastor 
the, um, in the Hmong community, that's my origination. Um, it's a tribal group from Southeast Asia. We're a nomadic people, so we don't have a country. And now the Lord is using them to be pastors um, among the Hmong community. Okay, the Hmong people that you may have heard of are from Vietnam or Laos, and Malia's family's from Laos. Okay, um, Malia had a period of time when she was not walking with the Lord, but I wanna ask you this question. How did you learn Spanish, and how did you get right with Jesus? <laughs> so I began studying Spanish in high school, which actually is about 30 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> And um, I had my detour from the way of the Lord. When I was about 19, I walked away from the church and there was a lot of hurt and anger and I walked away with a vengeance. <laughs> um, so that was about um, when I was 19. Uh, when I was about 27, I rededicated my life and came, you know, out of repentance, in repentance, came back to the Lord. And that was 18 years ago. And um, I was married to a Spanish person, and I've always just had a love for different diversity in different communities. So although I started studying Spanish in high school, I always had an, uh, friends or associates that were Spanish speaking, and I just learned a little by little. When I was married to my ex-husband, he was Puerto Rican, um, his family did not speak barely any English, so I learned a lot during that time. <laughs> and during that time, you were, some of that time, you were attending a Hispanic church, right? Oh yeah, we always um, went to bilingual church, so that, is, that was my introduction to bilingual church. <laughs> Fantastic, great. Uh, third question. How did you connect with LAE, and what is your involvement and heart for this ministry? LAE is Luz, Alegría, Esperanza, meaning light, joy, and hope. That's the BIC church down in York Springs. Okay. <laughs> oh, you want the question again? No, it's yeah. okay, I have it here. Okay. <laughs> well, it's, it can come off very random, but it is not, I don't believe that it's random. Um, I actually saw the name of the, in the page of Luz, Alegría, Esperanza, in um, my Facebook feed. And I was already, this is in about 2018, and I was already very invested and had been going to a different church for many, many years. And I thought I was going to stay at that church forever. Um, and I was kind of new to the York County area. So it said York Springs, and I was like, oh, that must be very close to me. And I said, Luz Alegría Esperanza. I like that name. I'm going to visit that church one day. Um, so I tried to contact them through Messenger because that's where I saw the feed. And then I didn't go yet. And then 2019 came and I still didn't, hadn't visited. And I was still kind of in a transitional place with the, I was still going to the church that I was invested in, but transitions began to happen. And um, I did eventually end up leaving that church. And then in 2020, during the pandemic, I still saw the feed, and that's actually when I finally made it to Luz Alegría Esperanza. So it took two years. <laughs> Let me just say that Sunday she came, we had recently started our services after COVID, and uh, there were like 10 people there, and she came. And 
I was not thinking she was going to come back because we didn't look like much was happening. Yeah, I visited and I thought the first day Pastor Mike said, I think you're a missionary, Malia. <laughs> and we didn't know each other at all, but I re those words stuck with me. And um, I continued to visit um, after a, a resting and restoration period from leaving the previous church and, and then kind of coming into this new place of Luz Alegria Esperanza, and since that visit, I stayed. Good. Tell us a little bit about your heart for this ministry, for Hispanic ministry. Uh, Malia is involved in a youth discipleship group, uh, one of our small groups, and she is also working with the children's ministry, and she preaches about once a month and uh, does a lot of stuff. But what's your real heart for if you could say, God called me here and has burdened me with this, what would that be? Um, I think learning and doing new and different things and even being in a new community, um, through those kinds of challenges, it allows us to grow within ourselves new arenas of love that we find in ourselves and new arenas of like what God is doing. The Three words I wrote down that I think I would want to highlight about what I'm doing there. Um, one is just being decided. The other one is being in communion and then submersing myself. And that's really, um, I have great faith in the Lord. The Lord restored and brought so much redemption in my own life. And I would just want to share what that hope, that life that God has redeemed in me with the community there. Fantastic. One of the ways that Malia does that is she has a special knack to be a friend. She helps people who are on the fringe feel like somebody cares about them, somebody knows them, and uh, she'll be telling me, oh, I met, visited so-and-so, or I called so-and-so. I said, oh, really? Oh, wow. And uh, she's looping people in and making relationships, especially has a heart for young people and seeing them get excited about the Lord. Thank you, Malia. You're welcome. Appreciate it. Thank you. <laughs> okay, the next couple uh, is Josiah and Anna. Come on, step up. Yep. Um, all of these interviews are going to be really interesting, but I want to hear how this one goes myself. Um, <laughs> Uh, Josiah, and uh, you probably, how many of you recognize Josiah? Not a lot of people. He attended here sometimes regularly when he was at Messiah, um, and I won't take a whole lot of his time, so I just want to ask the first question. I'll say it in Spanish, then I'll say it in English, okay? ¿De dónde es cada uno de ustedes y cómo llegaron a Cristo? Um, where did you, are you from, and how did you come to Christ? Ana? Okay, I'm from Mexico, and I came to Jesus when I was um, 18 and a half. Um, some evangelical Christian people, I started to come to our house when I was um, seven years old. But in that time, my parents wasn't interested in it. So when I was 13, uh, one of my aunts shared about um, her best friend that is a missionary in, I don't remember in which country he was working, but I start to be, to feel like interested in. 
So it's really curious because when I was 13, it's the first time when the Lord bring us to the United States. But in that time, my parents, they didn't want that we stay here. So after 16 years, we came back. And it's when I met my husband, and we start to share the same feelings to be missionaries. And it's when we check all the, the things that um, help us to grow and make a life together. Okay, let me stop you there to get Josiah. Tell me about your background. Um, where are you from and how did you come to Christ? I am originally... You don't need to get too close. Oh, yeah, sorry. I'm originally from Waynesboro, Pennsylvania, so um, my home church growing up was Fairview Avenue Brethren in Christ Church with John and Tony Fickett. And I grew up in a Christian family and around Christianity and kind of just assuming that I was in the kingdom. But when I was um, probably on 10 or 11, I started to realize that I was really, really angry and frustrated with the world and people making really bad decisions. And as I grappled with those feelings, I realized that I was becoming very rapidly a young Pharisee. And around that exact same time, I went with Doug Miller, who was my youth pastor at the time. Uh, they're now serving in, Mal in Malawi. But they took us to a youth event where for the first time I heard kind of a step-by-step -step detailed description of what exactly Jesus went through during his suffering death uh, on the cross. And I realized that even though I'd been around Christianity and knew all of the stories, I did not know this person who would go through that much suffering for me. And that night I decided I didn't know what else I was going to do with my life, but I was going to spend the rest of my life trying to figure out who this person was. And if anything deserved my attention, it was that. And that was really the start, I would say, of my faith, because it was when I really turned to Jesus rather than all of the different things that we have surrounded Jesus with over the centuries. Thank you. Uh, interesting thing, Ana down in Mexico and Josiah here at Messiah College, what was your major of study? I was a German major. <laughs> so God has a sense of humor. Ana, ¿qué estudiaste en la universidad? Foreign language pedagogy. Foreign language. She studied how to teach other people who don't speak Spanish Spanish. Thank you, God. <laughs> <laughs> so they both had linguistics majors in totally different places. And I think that could be considered a flag post for potential missionary calling. Okay, second question here. Um, Ana, tu primero. ¿Cómo se conocieron y cuáles son algunas de las lindas bendiciones y otros retos en un matrimonio intercultural? Listen to this question and tell me if you'd want to answer that up here on the pulpit. How did you meet and what are some of the beautiful blessings and challenges of an intercultural marriage? Well, I met Josiah in Luz Alegría Esperanza Church. Um, 
He was the worship leader. She yeah. was a visitor. Uh, retos. Bendiciones. Oh, ah, sí. um, <laughs> well, um, the blessings that we have together is that we have many things that um, I don't know. <laughs> Do you want me to go first? <laughs> She's having trouble getting the English words, but she doesn't want to speak Spanish in front of you all. No, no, I'm just make, making that up. Go ahead. So, it, it's a hard question, but um, I think every single relationship is actually a bicultural relationship, and we just don't realize it because we all come from different backgrounds. When you come from whole different human cultures and linguistic backgrounds, you just multiply that by about a billion and a half. <laughs> so the same way that two people who grow up in the same town come from two different families with two different backgrounds and two different histories, they have different sets of assumptions, but they share a lot of assumptions. When you come from different backgrounds, you cannot depend on any assumptions. Absolutely every single detail has to be hashed out and you have to come to either an agreement or we're going to do things the way that you're used to or we're going to consider things this way or we're both going to kind of come halfway and sacrifice a little bit of what we're used to. So there's a lot more coming together and that's one of the challenges, I would say. Um, the blessing is that we, but between the two of us, we, I don't mean to like make y'all feel bad, but we know twice as much as all y'all do. <laughs> In the sense that we have two entire life and, and spheres of understanding of how the world works and ways of seeing. So that's really helpful when you're in a cross-cultural ministry setting because I can tell you that until I met Anna, I assumed that all of the ministry and all of the challenges and all of the advancement at LAE was like this. And this, this, these were the kind of the regs and this was the score. And when I met Anna and she started to give me kind of the native culture perspective on the Hispanic community, specifically the, the expatriate Mexican community, I realized that I was almost 101% wrong. That was very humbling to me and a really good lesson because it's so easy to go into cross-cultural ministry thinking, I speak Spanish, I speak Spanish better than some of these Mexicans do. So like, I totally know what's going on. Not at all, not at all. So I would say that's one really big blessing. Okay, third question. She didn't answer, but. Uh, I'll leave it. <laughs> I'm being kind, all right? Being kind. All right. ¿Por qué creen que Dios los unió? ¿Y cuál es el llamado y ministerio por el cual se están preparando actualmente? And you can refer to the three main points out of your letter, and that's fine, too. What sense do you have on God's purposes in bringing you together, and what is the calling and ministry you are preparing for? Maria. <laughs> well, I think um, the music. Um, much a lot in the ministry 
especially I was working in a, a school I was teaching. And it's when we really started to work together, my husband and I. It was a Christian school. And we start with music, with the children's. Um, and we can see uh, how, how the Lord opened many doors. And we see it, how the Lord healing many of these kids and also families. So, I don't know. I, Anna, tell us where do you sense God is leading you? The, they are in the missionary development program of Brethren Christ World Missions, and they are projecting to move toward an assignment. So tell us a little bit about that. Oh, you want Josiah to? Okay, go ahead, Josiah. Um, right now we are, when, before I met Anna, I had been actually in Spain on a Come Walk on the Edge um, internship. I came back from Spain fully expecting to basically pay off enough of my student loans at BICWM would have me and then go right back to Spain. Ten years later, I was still in Pennsylvania, very, a little bit lost and frustrated and, and also kind of saying, well, Lord, whatever you have for me, it's up to you because I've done everything I know to do and I'm not getting us anywhere fast. And about six months later, Anna showed up at my church and I thought maybe I understood a little bit better why I was stuck in Pennsylvania. <laughs> <laughs> But when I met her, I, you know, we both kind of came to the table saying, are you willing to go and serve God in another country? Because if not, we shouldn't even go on our first date. And the fact that that was both of our first questions was a good sign. And later on, I found out that she had actually really had a long-term interest in, guess where, Spain. So we have really been working through the missionary development program with the expectation that we will be deploying to Spain. Um, it's been a long haul. Uh, it's really hard to get ready to go and do full-time ministry abroad when you're focused on doing full-time ministry <laughs> where you're at. So that's been an interesting balance to, to learn how to do. But we've learned so much at LAE uh, and just about discipleship and about hanging in with people when the going gets tough and about loving the church when the church is made up of people who need to be transformed by Jesus, especially me. <laughs> and, and understanding that and learning how to be gracious with other people, but also to be gracious with yourself in ministry has been really valuable. But we're, we're heading, hopefully, Lord willing, to Spain. We don't know what exactly we're going to be doing, but as Anna mentioned, we're really passionate about healing ministry, both physical and emotional. Um, we've seen the Lord heal people of diseases, things I never expected to see. And so we've really been growing up in faith in that regard, and that really meshes in with some things that have been going on with Bruce and Murley and some of the street ministry they've been doing there. So we feel like we have lots of points of connection with the ministry there, as well as a very, very, very long-term draw towards that country. Good. Thank you very much. Gracias.
Okay, so now we need you to tune in your Spanish ears, all right? This is Andres Bedón. He is the son of Fernando and Magali Bedón, who pastor a BIC church plant in Mechanicsburg called Luz y Salvación, Light and Salvation. ¿Cómo estamos? Bien. Bueno. Uh, Andres, cuéntanos de tu juventud en la familia Bedón en Ecuador. So, uh, tell us about your youth in the Bedón family in Ecuador. Quito, Ecuador is where they're from. Okay. Bueno, eh, buenos días, eh, primeramente. Good morning, first of all. Mi inglés no es tan bueno como el de Malia o Ana, así que prefiero hablarles en español. My English isn't as good as that of Malia or even Ana, so I prefer to speak Spanish. Bueno, eh, la juventud que tuvimos junto a mis hermanos en, en Quito y en nuestro país eh, fue eh, un poco diversa, digámoslo así, entre la... Cuando mi padre volvió a, a los caminos del Señor debido a la enfermedad que tuvo. Okay. Uh, my uh, experience as a young person in Ecuador was varied because at one point my father had an illness and through that illness he made a true commitment to Christ. Eh, esa situación difícil nos permitió involucrarnos como familia en los caminos del Señor desde temprana edad. So from when I was a young person, uh, this, this illness that my father had and then his conversion allowed us all as a family to be involved in ministry. Mi padre fue llamado como pastor eh, aproximadamente en el 95 y eso nos involucró más dentro de los ministerios. And my father became a pastor in 1995 and he got all of us involved in his ministry. Eh, somos cuatro hermanos en total, todos varones, y cada uno tenemos un talento diferente en la, en la música. Mi hermano mayor toca la batería. We are uh, uh, four boys, all brothers, and we all play instruments, each of us uh, in worship. Ahora, Mi hermano mayor toca la batería, yo el bajo. My oldest brother plays the drums, I play the bass. Mi hermano tercero la guitarra, el último el teclado. third brother plays the guitar, and my fourth brother plays the keyboard. Y eso nos permitió eh, estar activos dentro de los ministerios en las diferentes iglesias que el Señor nos llevó. And that gave us an opportunity to be active serving in each of the churches where my father was. Lo que nos permitió conocer y estar dentro del Señor dentro de cualquier circunstancia, pero con una fe, una fe clara en el Señor. Uh -huh. So we had an opportunity come to, to come to know Christ and serve Him in many situations and come to have a very clear faith in the Lord. Una de las cosas que sí nos tocó vivir por estar en ministerio fue ver de una manera más frontal lo que sucede dentro de la iglesia. One of the things, being a family so involved in ministry, that was that we got to see up close what really happens inside a church. Que debemos aplicar de una manera literal cuando el Señor nos dijo que mantengamos la mirada puesta en Él y no en los hombres. And we had to learn when the Lord spoke very clearly, literally to us, Keep your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfectioner of our faith. Sin embargo, <coughs> perdón, el Señor nos seguía motivando a seguir adelante y seguir con los ministerios. But the Lord kept encouraging us to be faithful and to continue on with our ministries. Y eso permitió que junto con mis hermanos, estoy seguro que el Señor nos eh, guardó de muchas cosas de que presenta hoy en, en día el mundo actual. And because of our walking with the Lord and serving Him, uh, we could see how me and my brothers, we were all protected from many of the problems and difficulties that youth have in the world today. 
Y en eh, experiencia muy personal, yo puedo decir que realmente lejos de, de Dios, el mundo nos hubiese absorbido y eso es literal. And uh, personally, I know literally, observing some of my friends, that uh, if I would have not have been walking with Christ, the world would have eaten me up. Okay. Bien. Segunda pregunta. ¿Qué han hecho tus padres aquí en Pensilvania? And what have your parents been doing here in Pennsylvania? And Fernando Magali came to the U.S. in 2012 and became associate pastors at Luz Alegría Esperanza. And I'll let you tell him, him tell you more. What have your parents been doing here in Pennsylvania? Eh, el primero en venir fue mi padre, que vino por una invitación. So my father came first with an invitation. Él vino con el propósito y guiado por el Señor para escribir eh, su libro. He came with a purpose, guided by the Lord, to write a book. Eh, que estaba enfocado en la sanidad espiritual y física a través del poder eh, de Jesucristo. And the topic of the book is healing, spiritual and physical healing through the power of Jesus Christ. En el camino de que el Señor lo llevó para escribir este libro, pudo conocer y asociarse con, con Pastor Mike. And through the process of writing his book, he came to know Pastor Mike and they became friends. Eso permitió que eh, tiempo más después eh, pueda él también estar al frente de la iglesia que es eh, Luis de Salvación. And then a couple years later, he uh, started and became the starting founding pastor of the church where he's at right now. Eso le permitió a mi padre también un crecimiento espiritual. Eh, el, el choque de culturas, por así decirlo, permitió que sea más amplio su perspectiva dentro de la misión y de cómo Dios eh, está moviéndose. En so Jesus. this clash of cultures that he experienced brought a richness and a depth uh, and uh, a maturity uh, in ministry. Amen. Sí. <laughs> he said so many things. I missed a few, but. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, también eso demostró que eh, los, los caminos del Señor son misteriosos, como él dice, porque en los, en los planes de mi padre no estuvo el radicarse o ser parte de una misión aquí. Sí. As my father said, the ways of the Lord are mysterious because he never had any intention of moving to the United States or immigrating here. Lo que ahora les ha permitido estar aquí junto con, con mi madre como familia pastoral y estar dentro de los ministerios. But they have been here, he, my father and my mother, uh, pastoring a ministry and leading the church that they founded. Dentro de este viaje eh, de misión, digamos, tuvimos una prueba bien fuerte, ya que mi padre fue fuertemente golpeado por el COVID. And in, on this process, we had a very big family challenge because my father was really, really affected by COVID. Estuvo eh, tres meses en coma, estuvo en la máquina ECMO. He was in a coma for three months, he was on an ECMO machine. Consecuencia de esto, él perdió su pierna derecha, perdió los, los dedos de su mano derecha, eh, los dedos de su pie izquierdo. As a result of that, he ended up losing his right leg, the toes on his left foot, and his right fingers. Eh, fue declarado muerto tres veces por los médicos three en el hospital. Three times the doctors had said he was dead, y... or going to die. Esa época eh, estábamos todos con mis hermanos en, en Ecuador y fue una prueba realmente difícil. This is a very, very big uh, challenge for us because all of us, the four brothers, were back in Ecuador. Y nos hicimos bastantes preguntas como familia eh, en esas épocas. And we made many uh, deep questions to the Lord as a family uh, about the situation. Pero después de todo este tiempo y al, al ver los resultados que hoy tiene el Señor en su vida. But now we see Uh, God's purposes and the results of this whole process in his life. 
el Señor se ha manifestado de una manera increíblemente amorosa God, aún en esta situación. God has shown himself in an incredibly loving way even in this situation. El ver ahora a mi padre la emoción y el amor que tiene cuando predica la palabra de Dios. To see the level of emotion and love that my father has when he preaches the word of God. Me, me ha confirmado a mí y a mi familia que realmente tenemos un Dios vivo. That has confirmed to me and my family that we have a living God. Eh, nosotros a veces pensamos que Dios está únicamente cuando todo está bien. Sometimes we think that God is really with us and only with us when things are going very well. Y no nos damos cuenta que cuando estamos en medio de una tormenta, Él está a nuestro lado y apaciguando las aguas. Uh, but many times we don't realize that when we're in the middle of a storm, He's there right beside us calming the waters. Y hoy eh, puedo dar fe de que realmente eso, de que el Señor existe y que no importa nuestras circunstancias, sino lo que el Señor quiere mostrar a través de las circunstancias. And I can uh, give faith that we have learned that it doesn't really matter what the circumstances or the situation is, but what really matters is, are we walking with the Lord in that situation? Esa, esa okay, <laughs> last question. Are you enjoying meeting these people? Right? Okay, Gloria a Dios. ¿Cuál es la visión y los planes que Dios nos ha dado para ustedes? What is the vision and plans God has given us for you and your family? Dentro del proceso que tuvimos con mi padre en su recuperación. In this process of my father's recovery. Yo tuve que solicitar eh, la visa. I was able to get a visa. Ya que con mis hermanos, ellos se, se turnaban en venir a ayudarlos. And my brothers were taking turns coming to help my parents. Y yo era el único que no tenía visa. And I was the only one that couldn't come because I didn't have a visa. En esa época difícil, en la pandemia, eh, la embajada estaba cerrada en nuestro país. And in Ecuador, during the pandemic, the, our embassy and the U.S. embassy was closed. Eh, la embajada me dio una cita. But the embassy gave me an appointment. Eh, no cumplía con los requisitos, a mi parecer. In human eyes, I didn't fulfill any of the requirements. Así que fui a la embajada. I went to the embassy. Presenté los dos documentos que tenía. I handed them two letters that I had. Y la persona en la embajada los miró y sonrió. The person at the embassy desk looked at the papers and looked at me and smiled. No sabía si era una sonrisa buena o una sonrisa mala. I couldn't tell if it was a good smile or a bad smile. La recomendación que me dijeron fue, no sonrías en la embajada. But what people told me, when you go to the interview, don't smile. Así que lo quedé viendo y él tomó mis papeles e ingresó a otra oficina. So I just stood there and looked at him. He took my papers and went back into the other office. Fue eh, algo curioso porque él eh, cogió mi pasaporte y salió triste. It was interesting because he took my papers and the passport and he went and I could see he was a little bit sad. Me miró y volvió a ingresar a la oficina y habló con, creo que era su jefa. And he looked at me and he'd come back out, I guess, to get the passport, then went back in to talk to his boss. Y volvió a salir sonriendo. But he came out smiling. Me dio mi pasaporte y me dijo, tu visa fue aprobada. He gave me my passport and he said, your visa has been approved. Dentro de la entrevista le conté la situación de mi padre During the interview, I told him about my father's health and his situation. Y cuando me dijo que fui aprobado la visa, me dijo, ve y cuida de tu padre. And when he gave me my visa, he said, go and take care of your father. 
Y esta, es, esta vez ya es la tercera vez que he podido venir a apoyar aquí a mis padres en su recuperación. So this is now the third time that I've been able to come and uh, take care of my parents in their recovery. Eh, soy padre de dos niñas de, de 14 y 7 años. I have two daughters, 14 and 7 years old. Y esa ha sido la parte difícil de estos viajes acá porque tengo que separarme por ellas por periodos de más de tres meses. And this has been the most difficult part of this because I've had to leave my family for uh, periods of time up to three months. Pero esta última vez el Señor se ha movido de una manera muy particular. But in this last uh, movement time, God has moved in a special way. Y hemos sentido el llamado de venir a servir al Señor aquí como familia. We have felt a calling from the Lord to come and serve Him here in the United States. Eh, mi esposa y mis hijas continúan en Ecuador. Ellas por el momento no pueden venir. My wife and daughters, Cristina and Amy and Andrea, are still back in Ecuador. And right now they can't come. They don't have a visa yet. Pero... Eh, mi esposa también cuando eh, estuvimos en la iglesia con mi papá, ella también sirvió en un ministerio de niños. But uh, when my, we were working in my father's church back in Ecuador, my wife was very involved in the ministry and as one of the children's ministry workers. Y cuando pudimos conversar con Pastor Mike, eh, mi esposa sintió también ese llamado de manera inmediata. When we were talking to Pastor Mike, we could sense God calling us to this. Y hoy hemos puesto a los pies del Señor esta petición de poder venir como familia y servir en el ministerio. So we've placed this petition before the Lord to come as a family and serve Him here. Y por eso tenemos los planes de reforzar mi inglés y poder compartir trayendo a mi familia y extender el ministerio. So our plans are to bring the whole family for me to study English and then to be involved in the ministry. Para de esa manera poder expandir el reino de Dios. We'll be then helping to expand the kingdom of God. Paralelamente con el aprendizaje del idioma. At the same time learning English. Y poder contar mis chistes en inglés también para con so ustedes. So I can tell you my English, my jokes from Spanish in English too. Por ahora entiendo el inglés y hablo un poco inglés. I do understand some English and I speak some English. Pero a veces no quisiera decir muchos chistes porque no me pueden entender. But I don't like to tell jokes because many people don't understand what I'm saying. <laughs> Así que quisiera pedir en, en oración en esta preciosa iglesia y poner delante de Dios la petición de poder venir junto a mi familia. So I leave this as a prayer request with you that you would pray for me and my family that we would be able to come and serve. Y poder servir al Señor. We want to serve the Lord. Uh, and the, almost spoke Spanish there, yeah. The serving that they will be doing, they will, uh, we are, our vision is for Andres to be an associate pastor in the Luz y Salvación Church, Light and Salvation Church, and also then to be here and able to care for and support his father and mother in their physical needs. Okay? Gracias. So now I'm going to be preaching for 30 minutes. Aha. <laughs> uh -huh. Okay, good. I'm glad you laughed because you know it's a joke. All right, I just want to share some concluding points here about uh, the Hispanic ministry that we're, in, we're involved in. I guess I'll set this down. Um, first of all, I want to talk about a couple of focuses and challenges. I mentioned this in the learning community together. Uh, our first focus is to make disciples. Uh, Jesus said in Matthew 28, um, go into all the world and make disciples baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey all the things I have commanded you. Matthew 28, 19 and 20. And um, 
Our goal, our vision is to minister to Hispanic people. We love all people, but if you look around you, you'll see hundreds of English-speaking churches and a few Hispanic-speaking churches. And especially in our area, in, in Adams County, there is a high percentage of Hispanic people. And many of them have no relationship with Jesus. So our goal is to make disciples. And uh, we're doing that here in Adams County and all over Pennsylvania uh, with those who God is touching through our ministries. How do we connect? We connect, one way we connect is by meeting basic needs, food. Um, we send people and participate with food banks and distributing food with New Hope, uh, with clothing. Um, we don't actually keep clothing on our property, so don't drop any bags off, please, or food. We, we've been overrun by that for some years, uh, but we do partner with some other really good ministries who do that professionally much better than we can do it. So, but the, the basic needs, then we move on to social needs, social services. We help people find work. We help people find housing. We help people learn English. We have English classes. Sometimes we have more students. Sometimes we have less students. But if you want to engage as an English teacher with us, we'd love to have you come down. We also uh, work with children's ministry. As many parents are concerned about their children adapting to the American culture and American life. And so to be able to have their ch children participate in a church that's Hispanic and that is also able to help them bridge to their new world and their new life. Um, our second focus or priority is raising up leaders. 2 Timothy 2.2 says, uh, all the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses entrust to reliable people who will also be uh, qualified to teach others. Um, so we have this uh, vision of raising up people. Just like you would expect that every person that is born has a good, good probability of being able to become a father or a mother, we believe that every believer in Jesus has the potential to have some level of leadership or impact for the kingdom of God. There's not a doubt or a question. We believe everybody can be a leader to some degree at some level. And with that as a foundational philosophy, we work to provide opportunities for ministry and discipleship with people. One of our uh, ministry uh, uh, tools is small groups. We believe people can come to know Jesus in small groups. They can be discipled in small groups. They can be trained as leaders in small groups. And they can get prayer and other kinds of support through a small group ministry. Our third uh, priority is to plant churches. And I want to tell you there are seven Hispanic churches in the Northeast and the Brethren of Christ right now. Uh, Three of them are in the Allegheny Conference, two in Virginia, one in, uh, at uh, Chippensburg, and then there are four in our con conference, uh, Mechanicsburg, Mifflintown, uh, Luz Alegre Esperanza, and Carlisle, excuse me, York Springs, and Carlisle, four churches. So we have seven. So what would you think if we could plant three churches in the next two years? How many would we have in the Northeast? 10, thank you. Then what if, these are big ifs, I know. Just bear with me a little bit with vision, right? Okay. What if each of those churches could be uh, strengthened, supported, trained to plant a church over the next three years? So two years to plant three more churches, and then another three years for each of our churches to plant a church. We know that some won't be able to plant a church, but we know that there are at least two church plants in process right now that aren't even on our radar. So 
We believe that in the next five years, by 2027, 2028, we will see 20 Hispanic churches in this area, and you will have been a part of it. What do you think of that? So I talked about some of our focus, just to mention some of our challenges. Because of time, I'm just gonna list these five things. Uh, actually, I will explain them a little because I, I think I have two minutes. One is trust. Immigrants without legal documentation don't know who they can trust. People who have been raised in Catholicism don't trust an evangelical pastor or evangelical people. So we have two hurdles that we have to overcome in trust so that we can show them the love of Jesus. Number two is stability. This is a challenge. Um, we have people that have been in our church. I said this morning in the class, we've had probably twice as many people that we've baptized in other places, Florida, California, Honduras, Mexico, than we have in our own congregation. Um, it's probably higher than that because people move so much when they're migrants, immigrants, and their chief goal is financial and familial stability. So when they're not stable, then our congregation is not stable. And we can go from 30 people to having, you know, 15, 20 people go to Florida because there's no work in Pennsylvania. Well, there's always work in Pennsylvania, right? So uh, that's a good thing, stability. Number three is legalism. It's a big issue among Hispanics and Hispanic churches. Um, I won't go into that one. And the fourth one is idolatry. And you can imagine out of a background of Catholicism, there's a lot of confusion about saints, the Virgin Mary, and that, that can really be a challenge for a true and genuine walk with God. And then number five would be our challenge, number five challenge would be worldly values. If you have left your home and your country, walked over a desert for five days, been without water, to have a new life, what do you think is important to you? This new life. And so many of the immigrants who come across, their focus is on the American dream and money, and they don't have time for spiritual things. And God has a way of changing people's minds and hearts, but there is a huge level of materialism among the Hispanic immigrants that we work with. So in conclusion, I want to challenge you and encourage you to continue making disciples here and there and everywhere. Sound like uh, Dr. Seuss, right? Um, here's one thing I'd like, make an international friend, right? Uh, say hi to somebody in the grocery store who looks like a Hispanic or a foreigner of any kind. Say hi. Do you know how many times people say things to them that are not positive? And you haven't said anything positive because you don't want to make them feel bad or you don't want them to, you don't want to be uncomfortable or I don't want to be uncomfortable. So I walk by them, say hi, or even smile. Say something like, welcome to America. Then they'll say, well, I've been here for 20 years. Oh. <laughs> okay. So in the end here, smile and say hello to an immigrant and then continue to support and pray for us. Visit one of our services. We have church services at 10.30, at 1.30, and at five. Just pick your location and uh, pray for a softening of hearts, for a hunger for God, even in this time when there seems to be such a limit on a hunger for God, so that people will seek Jesus and grow in their maturity and their leadership. Thank you so much.